0: There may not be um, 100% of the information being told at these events.
1: I suppose allegedly a PTI just sold for $5,000.
2: I can't believe how many people are selling their uh, collections at this time.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Win and End podcast. I am your host, Eric downheim and today we have with me one familiar face, one new face. I got Mr. Jonathan Wyatt. What's up, Jonathan? How you doing today?
0: Hey, hey, doing well.
1: And then I also got Mr. Blake, who has two last names. So we'll just call him Blake on this one. How you doing, Blake?
2: I'm doing good.
1: All right. Well, so um, our, <laughs> our regular listeners, which is like... Uh, about you know maybe five or ten of you maybe uh, are, yeah yeah maybe five or ten of you uh you guys would uh notice that you know we're missing a person today but that's okay there gabe is in portland right now doing the battle harden, so he could not record today but we will definitely get in touch with him and see how that went but we got some juicy topics today we're uh, we're going to start this off by talking about one of the big announcements that happened this week that is of Worlds and what that entails, the formats that are going to be played, how to get into Worlds, everything involved. So let's get right to that. Let me pull up this article here. And let me first start off by saying that Worlds is gonna be unlike any other event where it is going to have all three formats. What do you think about this? I'll start with Blake.
2: You know, I was really surprised to see that Bullets was going to be one of the formats. But James White has mentioned that he does see it as a competitive format, especially recently. And they've been taking it more seriously with bans and suspensions. So I'm fine with it. As well as he mentioned to, I think, Kale McCreeth's Twitter uh, that because what, the your earlier losses are the ones that count your like later tiebreakers, so if there's any issues with blitz you'd still be doing fine uh, I, didn't, I didn't actually even
1: notice that or i didn't think about that that's interesting yeah because day one is uprising draft and then classic constructed and it's not till day two day after uprising draft round two that you'll see uh blitz uh, how do you feel about the Blitz being in there, Jonathan?
0: Yeah, first off, super excited for Worlds. Um, I think it's going to be a really momentous occasion for the game. And then um, in regard to Blitz, I am personally extremely excited for it. Oh. Um, I-, I think that uh, really when when we are playing a game, we should represent all of the game types um, that are possible here. And-, and realistically, all game types are... Um, Are are really competitive, with the exception of UPF. Um, Uh So, um, (laughs) I can can I
2: say I would love to see the top eight be a UPF (laughs) battle for three hundred thousand dollars. Oh shit, dude!
1: The politics in that game. See, that would be you'd get the most coverage out of that, right there. (laughs) I would
2: pay
0: money, pay per view money. (laughs) Yeah, that is pay per view right there for sure. The Taylor promo just went up to (laughs) ten (laughs) k. They're
2: like what? Ten? There, how many Taylor Promers are even out there? Oh
1: man, I don't know. Um, it, I bet there. Man, it seems like every uh, big event, like every calling and whatnot, there's some sort of a uh, uh, cosplay competition. So there are three there's... confirmed. Three? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Three
2: confirmed. So yeah, ten ten thousand dollars each. Everyone's going to be trying to get those because that seems 100%. to be the meta and then just the salt flowing like oh you said you would take care of the wizard on your on your left Mm -hmm. now you got to deal with all this arcane flying everywhere how could Mm -hmm. you do this to me
0: so eric i I apologize yeah i apologize for hopping off the rails with the upf comment however this is
1: perfect i I
0: do think uh, i i kind of want to get you know your opinion on this uh what where is the slippery slope on this what is too far is blitz too far
1: okay so i don't think so i'm actually in the same boat as you but it ha- it has been like the common thing to say that blitz is just a kind of a broken format um i like it seems very good for in stores for like a 30 minute game um if you know they mentioned something like if your store only has two hours left you know they can run a blitz tournament it's like that's really cool but When it comes down to, like, major competition play, uh, being um, three-turns-type games kind of does, I do wonder the skill is, like, how much skill is lost in that. But, I don't know. At the same time, I do like all three gameplays represented. It's just, yeah, Blitz does kind of get a bad rap for competitive play. And probably as well as, like, just even watching it.
2: I think uh, for Blitz, you know, a few more bans or suspensions would help it. And then, as fast as it is, what Magic has, you know, best of three. I think Blitz could be a best of three. It
1: probably actually could. Actually, oh man, that that might have that might solve the format right there. Honestly,
0: Blake, I'm I'm very impressed with with that comment. Um, I, I really think that you have a really good point there. Um, so. Along with that, I also just want to add that um, as far as the bannings are concerned, I don't think LSS would put Blitz into a format if they weren't going to balance it even just a little bit more before Worlds. Mmm. Um, yeah. My, my other thing is, do you think they'd allow like further sideboarding options for Blitz at all? I don't think they would structurally change the format uh, prior to Worlds now. Um, however, uh, again, I, I do think that um, probably one of the important points that even Eric just touched on was the momentum game with how short the turns are. I don't think that um, I still think high skilled players will will overcome in a in a vacuum. Um, however, um, that that momentum in blitz and being able to change it or um, keep it is going to be so valuable. Um, so there, there may be a few skewed results, but overall I, I believe that uh, blitz can still, have some sort of integrity uh, in the overall grand scheme.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, I yeah, I, I think you are right. I think you know, good players are going to be good players, so no matter what format it is, so we're still going to see good players. It's not going to kill any good players because, like I said, good players are good players. They're going to be able to uh, outlast that. But I will say the one thing that does really excite me is that it is three formats. I mean, like you have to go in with two different decks. And then make another two different decks, like, during the whole event, which I think is awesome. I think that's so cool that you can go in and play Icelander in all three formats. Or you can play, like, an Icelander, a Phi, and then, um, I don't know, uh Kasai. Or, you know, just, like, to- three totally different heroes, with totally different play styles, which is, to me, is really fascinating. But
2: I'm going to put it as the triathlon. Of fl- it kind of is, Yeah
1: um yeah so i uh i am so i'm going to worlds for sure and i am going to be hardcore grinding every format at this point and i'm kind of excited to do that
2: and then then on that note because you're going to worlds i'm not eligible to participate in worlds so i will say my view on blitz being a, a competitive format doesn't hold much water (laughs) <laughs> I mean it I don't know, it does that's why you're on. We're we're here to talk. Um someone on Twitter was saying like how are these people who aren't even gonna be able to compete and you know, chiming in when they when they can't even get into the club? <laughs> Not even allowed True. to have an opinion. <laughs>
1: oh, but that's a that's a perfect segue into the next thing about worlds is that there is no season for it. There's like we had the Pro Tour qualifiers, we had the Road and Nationals But there is no road to world to worlds qualifier. It is just if you have a PTI or if you're in the top fifty of lifetime, 90-day, ELO for constructed and limited. So what do you guys think of that? What do you think, Blake?
2: Uh, I think that's excellent. Like, you know, you're showing like the people who are putting out the most time and effort in each category. So even if you're not like, yeah, 90-day XP. Eh, I'm not so sure about but like lifetime XP like you have showing that you've constantly been to all the events you're constantly grinding you know what you're doing you know everything that should be happening in flesh and blood so why not bring you the worlds
1: yeah yeah and how about how about you Jonathan what do you think
2: yeah,
0: overall, I'm satisfied um, with the decision. Uh, while I disagree with XP as the standard, um, you know, this just being a new game, um, I'm all right with it now. Um, as time goes on and we see wor- more worlds uh, continue through LSS uh, and their stewardship, I, I think really um, any issues that I have with the system now um, will really get pounded out over time. So um, I'm-, I'm very fine with this right now
1: okay so the uh, I guess first off do you think we'll have like a worlds every year or do you think this is like a one in like two or three years sort of deal
0: I hope this is an annual thing
1: me too me too um but uh, but okay but let's let's get into what you're talking about so right now you're okay with it but like what would you want to see changed like do you want to just take the XP out? Like, would you better just have, like, if you have a PTI, you're in?
0: I think probably one of the biggest frustrations I've had is just with um, this season, how, and last season, or this year and last year, how um, really we've seen the difference between them using XP as a system into ELO. So as we're kind of moving into that change, um, that's where really some of my frustrations exist. So once we have more ELO-based events... I will not have as much issue. However, um, considering that most of our ELO-based events were XP-based events before this year, um, I, I think I'm just a little hesitant to, to make too many comments just because um, we're seeing that change go on now. So I, I really don't take any issue.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I, I I think we're all pretty happy with how Worlds is. But, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I, mean, I think you're right. Some things could change.
2: For the, the top 50... In both 90 day and lifetime XP, how many of those people don't already qualify through ELO and PTIs?
1: Right, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Because I, thanks thanks to the good old RTN season, um, and the only RTNs I did were Classic Instructions, so no <laughs> Uprising Draft. My <laughs> ELO has actually increased my rank. Um uh, I am back to being fifth in the world. I'm now second in the States. <laughs> but so I I'm in um just through that. But yes, I also have a PTI. So like I think you're absolutely right, Blake. I mean, like, how many of us that are up there like don't already have something? Also, just I suppose allegedly a PTI just sold for five thousand dollars, which is kind of insane
2: did it really
1: uh, yeah that's allegedly
0: right i
2: saw it was going for like 2000 immediately after that i
0: i will mm. say that that seller uh tends to sell their items for higher prices than market and mm. amazingly they all sell
1: <laughs> yeah it was a bit fishy although it does make sense i will say that these PTIs are going to sell for a lot more than the Pro Tour ones, for sure, um, because these are like this is this is really like a, a it's like an inclusive or like exclusive club. I mean, you gotta...
2: Well, I mean, all all the PTIs are the same. It's just depending on location, because you know you can only transfer those Eternal PTIs. So I guess mm-hmm. you know just it's timing
0: the market when you're selling
2: it. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. inherently, you do have a, a specific time range of about one to two months within any before any event to even change that PTI. So um, really, it is one of those time period of demand questions. So um, yeah, I, I'm all fine for people being able to um, use the rewards that they've earned through this game um, to, to reap the benefits, right? So um, I'm all yeah, for this yeah. system. I, I think it's great. Now, um, I would prefer for Worlds to be a non-PTI transferable event. Mm-hmm. However, for, for the, for the game, what was that, Blake?
2: For the integrity of the World Championship.
0: Um. Yes, I think I I, I do believe that uh, typically someone who's earned a PTI is um, considered one of the best players. Um, so I wouldn't want someone that. Uh, has money to just fake their way in necessarily, so it would be an integrity thing. Now, whether or not um, the data shows that how many people are purchasing these PTIs, I think that tells another story. So uh, I am hesitant to to get rid of the system immediately.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I want to say uh, two things here real quick. Um, first, I want to say that um, I so on my team, Sneep. Um, Adam uh, has purchased his PTI to go to Pro Tour, um, the Pro Tour in France. So he doesn't have all the like you know he has like one shot basically to get it. Where you know like me and you guys we have multiple shots. So I can kind of understand in that perspective. But then on the opposite end and on the on the other team, um, our teammate Joel, I remember him saying at one point, it's like. If I can't earn a PTI, and so if I can't, you know, hack it to to win a ProQuest, then what point is there for me to go? If I because if I can't hack it here, then I can't hack it there. Yeah, and I that, I think yeah. that rings true, honestly.
2: Yeah, I'm with the uh, I'm in that mindset. If you're not going to be able to just win a couple locals to get to it, or you know, maybe something regional, do you really think you're going to go uh, like toe the toe with? The top players around several countries no not really at all
0: exactly and to that point i just want to add that um really when we're looking at these ptis now i think with with pro being a thing and being able to earn um non-lifetime ptis in those events um, i think people will stop spending ptis for pro tours and only hold them for worlds um mm-hmm. because not only will that be a more lucrative option But um, realistically, Worlds is the the premier event for this game. It will have the one of cards. They will have
2: the the $300,000 prize pool.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So do you think that there is a way for LSS that they would want to change the system because people are abusing it? Well, I mean, they well because
1: that. they're supposed to be gifts, right? They're not supposed to be sold anyways, but right? You
0: don't, you don't want to go by yourself
2: and you have an extra PTI. <laughs> you can make the thing, but your teammate can. Right. So, yeah. But uh, as far as like the Pro Tour stuff goes, um, all those Pro Tour qualifiers, those PQs, they're only for the those Pro Tours. So I don't really think there's going to be enough PTIs for people to just be giving them out just so you can go to a pro tour.
1: It's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's very interesting because we are going to have a limited supply. And I, I do even wonder even if it will be a thing in the future as well, but it being a limited supply might just be fine because you just won't have like, not many people are going to have enough to give away. Um, And
2: I mean, it all depends on the, the location of the Pro Tour yeah. versus Worlds. Like, not everyone in the world can make it to San Jose, but you know, people in Europe can make it to Lille. So, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: There, there are a lot of really interesting data points that we really don't have access here to. So, we're we're really just speculating at the moment. We're throwing but...
1: Rocks in the water. Like, if I
2: can't afford to go to America to compete in Worlds, you know, but I still want to compete at a really high level. I would probably use uh my eternal pti to
0: go the little yeah but if you do have eternal yeah. ptis and you are going to either sell them or use them would you not just use them for worlds i think independent so. i think and then uh it just depends how far out
2: lss can give you that information
0: yeah you can hold out for the next year for worlds <laughs> so what you basically i
2: don't know so it, you have a PTI, you have a pq pti but you want to really compete at a high level this year because i don't know everything's going in your life where you have the time to do it maybe next year something's going to come up like you'll be married you have a kid you'd be starting a new job so you won't be able to really count on competing at worlds and using that pti over during that time so you're like oh okay now or use it now or never kind of deal
0: so i I believe that um this argument moves into two two areas right so really if you're going to use the pti there's one side of that argument and i think if you are going to use the pti for your own use um i I do think that competitive and uh, that meta at any time would matter however if you are looking to sell it i would only sell for worlds
1: I think that's where the most bang for your buck is going to be if you are looking to sell.
2: Oh, yeah. That'd be, you know, time in the market for the best thing. hmm Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I'm all I'm all about this. I, I really like that there is no... I, I think we discussed it um, a couple weeks ago, Jonathan, that um, we didn't want to see Worlds have a qualifying season. We wanted it to be sort of as if it's like the Olympics where it's you have like, um, you know, your nationals. um to see who's like the best for your country and then go off to worlds and play for your country sort of deal and it's not ness nece- it's not like that but it is in a sense because there is no qualifier so you know it is the best as in like you got a pti one way or the other
0: exactly so, yeah
1: um okay yeah, i feel like that's uh we covered that are you guys are you guys playing i so blake you you cannot make it to worlds right
2: I cannot make it to Worlds, which I'm super sad about.
1: I am also super sad. What say you, Jonathan?
0: Yeah, so, uh, Blake, your presence will be sorely missed um, at <laughs> Worlds. Uh, so I'm sorry to hear that. However, I, I have booked my trip for Worlds. While I am not Fuck yeah, while I am not able to compete at Worlds, I will be competing in The Calling. And uh, I really think, um, really, the excitement comes down to um, seeing the top competitive to your play i want to see all the events i I want to see the the spice so
1: oh yeah and be right there with it too
0: yeah feel that energy so i'm really excited also
1: you very well could be able to participate in because are you planning to go to nationals
0: i am not going to nationals this year oh
1: okay never mind so it would be really you'd have to like somehow do something i guess there's a battle hardens are you planning to do any of those like the the uh, Denver or Minneapolis one.
0: <laughs> unfortunately, no. Uh, work. Okay. <laughs> this, this is my busy season for work, so unfortunately, sure. the RTN to National season I had to um, remove um, from from competitive play. But um, now that Worlds uh, and after, those are the events I'll be able to attend.
1: Yo, I just thought I about something real quick. I want to, I want to run with you guys. So we talked about this in the last podcast, uh, but I, I want to hear what you guys think about this because this is, you know, um, Johnson. You're pretty good at like, uh, you know, coming up with theories for this game. Well, this is my theory. You ready for it? So if we look at all the battle horns, so there's battle horn Portland going on right now. There's battle hard in Minneapolis and there's battle horn in uh, Denver. Now, BattleHard in Portland is one week before Pro Tour. Tour. in Minneapolis is one week after Nationals. And uh, Denver is one week before Worlds. So, what I'm wondering is, is, I first thought this was just like shit timing. And I was like, why, why was it like this? Like, this is bad. Like, you basically wouldn't be able to do both. But then I thought about it a little bit more. And I'm thinking it was done on purpose so that, the battle horns will attract lower competitive play while the like more competitive players, you know, play at the big events, like pro tour nationals and worlds. What do y'all think?
2: Oh uh, yeah, I could see that. Like you want something going on as often as possible to give as many people a chance to compete.
1: You don't think I'm off my rocker?
2: No, I mean, like, if you, if you only have, like, a few events every year, and it's going to be the same crowd traveling to all these events. You know, okay. you're going to kind of push out some other people, maybe.
1: Okay.
0: And one of the things I want to add is I think that Battle Harden is turning into one of those um, lower-level events where they're not necessarily needed to be hosted by either Star City Games or Channel Fireball slash TCG player at this point. Yeah, who was hosting the one in Portland last night? That was actually a game store, Fable Hobby.
2: Yeah, I thought, I thought that was a, exactly what I would expect Battle Hardens to be. It was under 100 people. It wasn't hosted by like one of the big names.
0: I believe that will be yeah. the expectation going forward. So really, I think LSS will be looking to partner with some of these local game stores that are uh, endemic to their area so that they can um, not only rent out these conferences but host Battle Hardened events there as well. So really, really glad to see that. Um, the only the only possible issue I could see with that uh, in general is just streaming um, as as streaming in these events does uh, cost a lot of money. Um, we may not be able to see the competitive events for Battle Hardened. Um, however, as far as local game stores being able to, to pick up these events and host, I think this is a wonderful opportunity and uh, really glad to see it happening.
2: Yeah, because we, we just learned from our buddy who knows more about uh, these contracts than we do that streaming in one of those huge convention centers costs thousands of dollars to do in order to use the facility's internet. Really? Yeah, I never knew that. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense while some, like, why some of these bigger, you know, events haven't been streaming.
0: That's rough. Yeah, it really, really was interesting to hear and uh, really made me happy to know all these, all these different people within the card game space because um, really getting this information that we wouldn't be privy to, you know, that was an area where I was uh, blindly angry towards uh, the lack of streaming opportunities through Battle Harden, so with um, with the, the high-cost associated, I, I completely understand.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't expect it to have been that, that much, so yeah, I'm on the same boat, that's uh, <laughs> kind of rough. Um, but yeah, good point. I didn't think about, like, the, you know, it having, uh, being ran by local game stores instead, uh, which is actually really, really cool, so that's pretty dope. Um, all right. Anything else we want to talk about worlds before we move on?
2: What What do you think the meta is going to look like? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, okay. Oh, you know what? That's a very good question. Cause here, I actually don't know this guys and I try to look it up and I couldn't find it. Um, are we potentially seeing a prismless meta for Worlds? Like, would that would they come out and like with the new? Let's say she get she got her two points. Would she be LL before Worlds?
2: Well, isn't that the next ban and restricted? So it wouldn't August thirty? Is it August thirtieth? Is the next BNR?
1: So that would that would be even before Nationals. You think they would do that?
2: Because i can't remember is it like the next set is when the ll takes place or is it through the bnr where it takes yeah
0: place? okay typically go ahead. it I would be know. through the bnr now um so that that is kind of interesting and uh speaking of just Prism living Legending out with the uh battle hardened event that took place uh this last weekend uh i it was really really fun to watch the event uh this drive versus prism to see um, whether the, the viscerai player would uh, forfeit the match and let, let Prism get mm. the Living Legend <laughs> points, or whether the, uh, the Prism would uh, dominate through auras or the viscerai would dominate through uh, attacks and rune chants. So it was really exciting, really exciting to the watch. Second narrative. Well, for
2: for Battle and what is it? Like only the first player gets the PTI?
0: Yes, sir.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of it was that's like for sure.
2: $5,000 right now, even if you can't make it, plus the prize money. It's... I don't think uh, someone hates Prism enough to give up on that.
1: <laughs> Although like her being in top eight, that would give her enough points to just take it, right?
0: I would appreciate seeing the blind anger towards a hero and and not thinking about the monetary aspect of this game. However, <laughs> however, logically speaking, you are correct, Blake. <laughs> it would not be a, not be a good move at all. Uh, so yeah, I but realistically, I don't think uh, I don't think LSS would would ban Prism um, until okay at, at a rtn maybe
2: even a PQ. I could see it happening, being like, oh yeah, I can see you, you win. Your hero's yeah. dead.
0: <laughs> yeah, because all you're talking about at that point is a, a card, a, a $300 card. Yeah. yeah I, sure. I would just look at my opponent and I'd be like, can you play other heroes? Let's find
2: out. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Just get uh, just get all the blades banned and see what Brody does.
0: <laughs> oh, Brody. Um, the amount of respect oh, that Viserai players would have had. For that, for Dexter yesterday, uh, if he would have forfeited, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure the money would have been, would have been uh, nothing compared to the memes. Wait, we we would have a go for so him, true.
2: whatever the next thing he wanted to do. All the Brimblades. <laughs>
1: yeah, very good. Um, yeah, I I think that's what determines. So like, yeah, if it is the next BNR, that's August 30th. That would be before national. I kind of have a hard time believing that. If uh, if Prism made it over, that they would ban it before Nationals. But I could see after Nationals. Um, Agreed. In which case, then Worlds meta is totally different. I think we're going to get a lot more Wizards in play. I think Icelander would be quite a presence.
2: Yeah, Icelander's waiting to come out and just start freezing people left and right.
1: She's, uh, she's already doing pretty well in Blitz, um, and I think we are going to see some Icelanders in Blitz for Worlds. Um, but yeah, curious, curious where it goes, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, Icelander in Blitz is a lot better than I
0: thought it was.
1: I mean, she only needs about two and a half turns. Not even necessarily. Sometimes just two turns.
0: Yeah, I think that's the wonderful thing about Blitz is that the ice heroes have so much more agency because they can they can actually hold up those frostbites for, for those small momentum um turn games, right? So uh really, really awesome to see in Blitz, but uh yeah, I would love to see what happens after Prism Living Legends out and uh really see how the format opens out up in, in that way.
1: Definitely. Uh one more last thing about Prism. Um She's making a, a uh a spark in blitz now, and I think it's because of Icelanders and Kano's doing well. So she might just move from CC to Blitz. You might not this might not be the end of Prism, honestly. All right. Um all right, yeah. If nothing else, we'll move on to our next topic here. So the next topic we'll talk about is I've been noticing And it's been really, really cool that there has been more and more new players entering the game. Um, And I've been asking around because I was always curious, you know, what game you come from or, you know, uh, like what made you come to this game? And I'm even getting a lot more responses. Like in the beginning when I was asking, it was a lot of people that came from Magic. Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! were the biggest the two card games most people came from Uh, because those are the two biggest card games other than pokemon but now i'm hearing a lot of people just coming fresh like hadn't played a card game in like 20 years um and so there's on that end we're getting new players but at the same time what i've been hearing more and more people especially the collectors that um look to buy is that more and more people are selling off their collections So we're kind of at this weird influx of where we're getting new people, but we're also getting the old people um, selling off their collections. So uh, this time I'll start with you, Jonathan. Um, Do you have any thoughts or opinions on that?
0: Yeah. So um, being someone who's actually using this opportunity to to buy collections, um, I've noticed that a lot of people that have been selling their collections, they got into the game really early on, um, before the first callings. And um, some of these people were in high school and, uh, you know, they come from all different ages, right? So um, with with the economy stagnating, some people are looking to get out to to make payments on, on other necessary items in their lives, as well as, um, you know, using this opportunity um, since they wouldn't have this amount of money fall on their lap in any other way to uh, sell off their collections and make an opportunity there. So um, really, I think there, there are a lot of different. Uh, facets to people selling their collections i i don't think there is a mass exodus happening however i do believe that if you are looking to get into older collectibles uh within flesh and blood this is the perfect opportunity uh as i do not believe that prices will go lower from this point
1: what about you blake
2: I think it's really interesting, I can't believe how many people are selling their uh, collections at this time. Yeah, it just seems to be
1: like you said, John. There's kind of the hard economy of it. Um,
2: I guess a lot of stuff are coming up. What well, one post that I, I find particularly funny is one guy's getting divorced. So it's just like, oh, boy, yeah, he's posting like in all the things. he's just like, oh, I'm getting divorced. Buy my cards, and like, <laughs> like, you know, BGS nines and nine fives and stuff. Oh, and I'm boy. like,
0: yeah, I guess divorce is expensive. This is why you don't I talk mean... to your wife about your hobby, guys. You put the money. Yeah, you, you put the okay, money into the cards
2: otherwise you could have probably just hit them away wait till the proceedings were over or whatever and That's then true. You
0: know. <laughs> yeah go to the bank it's like bricks of gold you just shave the shave the gold off those things and pay <laughs> <laughs> well okay so what we're
1: saying what we're seeing is it's not so much as like losing like interest and in investing in the in the company but just more needing money in general is what we're seeing most people that are selling. Would you all agree with that?
0: I I think everybody has a unique story. Um, However, um, I think the people selling right now are either disinterested in the game or looking for uh, different monetary avenues, as the prices are falling for a lot of these newer, recent sets. Um, I think probably one of the biggest issues um, in collectibles right now uh, for Flesh and Blood is Monarch, as those prices have dropped the most. Um, and are actually getting to about retail pricing, or as close to retail pricing than it was originally. Um, however, I, I think realistically, um, for the first three sets, uh, while pricing is going down a little bit, um, it will not go down much. I do not believe the Feindel Springs tunic you'll be able to see for less than $3,000 after Worlds.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and I also even just wondered, like, I, okay, well, let me ask you this, guys, real quick. Because, like I said, I'm seeing new people. Are you guys seeing any new people at your LGSs?
2: Yeah, I'm noticing a, a few new people popping up here and there. I think uh, the cheaper price of the cards recently has brought them back in.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so that's why it kind of puzzled me, just because it's like we're getting these new people, which is awesome. Uh, I'm super stoked about that. But then we're, I also like just hear all these things. But I mean, so now now it's kind of, we're starting to picture it together a little bit, or, you know, that it's less necessarily about the game itself. It's just more about um, financial issues of one way or the other. Um, and that would make sense just because it, it would seem odd to. I don't think the game is shifting so much to the new player. Uh, it seems to stay the same. So. I don't necessarily think it's because of the game itself, just probably more of the financial issues that might be occurring from the world we live in.
0: Yeah, I think more economic, uh, more economic problems is um, the reason behind these changes. But um, to your point there, I have seen quite a few new players. Uh, in the skirmish this last weekend at Reaper, we actually had uh, four new players show up. Um, so that oh, was awesome. exciting to see as uh, I've been away for the Road to National season. And this was my first event since that. So i um, really happy to see that. So I, I think one of the big points that I would like to say here is that um, really you can't trust all the negativity that you see on Facebook. Um, really, that's just some angry person behind a keyboard. And you really need to go to your locals and see the scenes supported there to, to really know the pulse of this game.
1: That, you know, couldn't couldn't be better said right there. I mean, that that's right on the nail, or right on the head of the nail. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I totally agree on that. I do have a question for you, though, Jonathan, since you are more the collector out of three of us here, is if we are expecting more and more people in the game, I would imagine by next year we're going to have quite a significant jump in number of players. What does that mean for, like, collecting like is it better just like get on it now uh before more players come on or is that something that you even need to even worry about does it make no difference
0: so realistically if you're getting into the game now i would not really recommend anyone to try going towards the collection route and also even if you have been in the game for a while i think the collection route is going to be a very high risk high reward item right now just because we are talking about thousands of dollars for these high-end items um i just just two minutes ago i made the prediction that i do not believe the Findel spring tunic will even be below three thousand dollars after worlds um so i I really think these high-end items they will go up in price however um a lot of the the high-end items we're talking about are talentless heroes Mm. Mm -hmm.
2: so i think that's exactly
0: where the game should be that's where the line should be because now that we're moving into talents I think those should be the cheaper options so um yeah i i really think as far as a collector getting into the space right now i think it's a i think there's a wonderful opportunity just with the way the economy is going but um realistically i would really only focus on the first three sets
2: it just depends what you want to collect because even with like the larger print runs i'm having a lot of fun collecting the marvel stuff i don't expect tries to be like high or anything but they just they look really cool
1: they do. They really do. Um, I just opened up a um, full art Dracana Optima, and I was gonna I was gonna give that away, but I really like that card. <laughs> a hard, time. It a
2: did, hard Did you to have pass. one before?
1: No, not the full art. So oh,
2: okay. I'm I'm almost done with my uh, Dromai deck. Oh yeah. Which whether yeah. or not she's gonna be like a real you know top tier hero or mid tier hero. Still- I
1: predict we will see oh, her in the top eight next weekend.
2: Wow. I mean, she's been showing up in a lot of top eights.
1: Yeah. I, I honestly think Dromai is a deck that is um, how well it does is related to how well the player is. I think Dromai is a skill-based deck. So I think with highly skilled players, we will see Dromai in the top eight.
2: You don't think she's too fair? You don't want those dragons to have spectra? <laughs>
1: i mean even prism is a skill-based deck so i'll give it to prism players that they you know you got to be good to play prism you can't just pick up and play prism that's for sure
2: i've been told many times and been in this situation many times where the real game against prism doesn't start until she's under like 10 life
1: i believe that 100 percent. i think dromai is about the same yeah you got you got any opinions on skill based decks over here, Jonathan?
0: Um, so I I, I love skill skill based decks. Uh, I think that's uh, one of the great facets of this game. Um, for me personally, I, I like to play more of the aggro decks. So um, the the illusionists.
1: So the unskilled decks. Yes,
0: I uh, unskilled <laughs> unskilled players in this podcast. Yeah, get them out of here. Uh,
2: I, I gotta say, anytime I play control or something. I feel way less mentally stressed than I do as an aggro player trying to get over really defense.
1: Oh, interesting.
2: Like, uh, you know, they're in, like, the old Tim Brier meta. Right, yeah. I just remember just being exhausted. I'm like, how am I going to deal enough damage to get over all this defense before mm. I just, like, fizzle out? Which, you know, leads to almost going the time every game.
1: It's almost like the concept of fatigue is not only within the cards, but also very much within the reality of this match. Uh, As an advocate, match.
2: I'm yeah. stuff I'm trying to be done within like two or three <laughs> turns. But when Alden makes you go for like, you know, double, triple, quadruple those turns, like you you weren't thinking about pitch stacking. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> That's true.
1: It, it those those heroes control heroes do provide a whole new element that i mean i think that's honestly why you know a lot of like slow play is like mentioned when it comes to control heroes and it's not so much the control it is it's more the
2: control player it's always the actor yeah. they trying to figure it, out like how am i going to stand as the beat down how am i going to get over this it,
1: it provides a whole new element that you've never seen before so and when yeah you're
2: taking that much time you can tell they've not practiced that matchup nearly enough because as mm. I was as I practice those aggro into fatigue matchups later you you get comfortable with the game plan and you can like start making your turns faster but when you see like a newer player who's maybe only been able to practice like their skirmish nights in locals yeah they're gonna take uh, five minutes on every turn
1: <laughs> yeah yep I think what I'll do, I kind of want to do this. Let me let me get what y'all think about this. I want to make one of those uh those tier lists. And I don't want to be based on how good the hero is, but how, like, the learning curve of the hero. Like, what heroes you could pick up and go, and what heroes, like, is going to take the most time playing to, like, master.
2: I feel like we've seen that a lot already.
1: Oh, yeah? Okay. Well, maybe, I mean, I'm kind of, like out of it when it comes like you guys honestly keep me up on the content I'm we could do that
2: in two seconds like who's the most uh (laughs) time intensive hero to learn i think we might all have the same answer right now jonathan what what do you think the most time intensive hero to learn
0: i would say definitely more towards control um probably your old him uh your illusionist hero classes uh, i think are definitely going to be in that area guardian and, and illusionists are probably more that for me not kano
1: i was also thinking kano to be honest like
2: yeah the other ones take a yeah they have the learning curve but i figure it's like always kano. It's like can i do that wizard math when
0: lethal's presented
1: <laughs> to be okay how about this i because I, I think johnson's right on that think, too though because i think yeah go I, ahead go I think ahead
0: kano's go. combo is actually quite simple um now that it's been revealed. Um, so really, you're just searching for two cards and then putting it together and using Ragamuffin's hat to separate it and uh, Kano off the top of your deck, really. So um, I think the combo is pretty well figured out. Really, it's just the discovery of the combos are really the the biggest point. And Kano is an aggro deck. So um, in that sense, I think Kano does move towards the easier side of things, because an aggro you're focusing on combos on control you have to know every combo in the game and how to react to it that's yes
1: a point. yes yes that's exactly what i was going to say too so that was perfect yeah um yeah yeah i think that's i think that solves it all right i don't uh i, I want to give us some a good amount of time for this next next topic uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna set this up here so a couple weeks ago we talked about the the drama that was associated with eSport, right um, the the card game or the uh, the card store. So after the fact, I decided to follow up research on it. I saw the the video that you recommended, Jonathan, um, and I started to just kind of just um, you know have YouTube play in the background, and the next video that it just auto played was the drama with um arsenal pass team and um i've we've i've heard stories before as far as like with arsenal Pass team um involving the pro tour the first one with the kano decks only a few of them playing kano um, and the rest of them not Uh, so there's some speculations there on what happened Um, and then i heard another story that was um, describing like the origins of the team and how the original team members, um, end up getting kicked out, um, and how there was like some shady business that was going on, um, particularly with, uh, one member that, uh, first name might be Brandon, uh, and how this member would... Uh, because this team is you know distributed all throughout the world, so they have different time zones, so it makes sense that you're going to play outside of your team, but how maybe this team member had uh, leaked information about the team decks to other uh, people, and how there's some drama with that. Uh, but now there's even more drama with Arsenal Pass, and so I think out of all the... the uh, the teams out there and there's not that many there's like the dragon shield team and this team has like the two big teams for sure but there seems to be a lot more drama with arsenal past team than the ls or the dragon shield team so uh jonathan i'm curious um you you came out with some news and uh i, I want to hear from you here in this podcast
0: yeah really interesting time to be alive right now um uh, we we are starting to see a a pattern forming in this intricate web that is being spun. Uh, so, uh, prior to the, the first nationals tournament in Orlando, um, Arsenal pass was looking for teammates to test with. And, um, through that opportunity, Zach Bunn, a emerging player who has had success in, in multiple card games prior to flesh and blood, um, was asked to to join this this test group, amongst with other players like Dante Del Fico. Um, So with that being said, uh, once this test team was created, um, as uh, sometimes this does happen, Uh, New players were being added, um, just, hey, I have a friend, and uh, they would love this game, and and they want to test as well. So um, this was happening during one of the biggest expansions of the game, uh, the first big expansion, right? So after after the event, um, there were some issues uh, with... Uh, possible deck leaking information um, happening within the team, and also just wanting to um, contract the team size to to be more representative of the higher skill players within that. So, um, really, I think there are multiple factors involved with that, and um, from that that conflict um, emerged uh, the the new Arsenal Pass team and what we know as the Wolf Pack or the Oklahoma Team Covenant Testing Team. So after this event, um, Arsenal Pass and the Wolfpack um, had uh, um, a, a minor rivalry. Um, now, whether Arsenal Pass was aware of the rivalry, I think it seemed more that the Wolfpack was, was discussing it. Right. <laughs> um, so Arsenal Pass actually added in uh, Michael Hamilton onto the Pro Tour testing team. Uh, with that with that being said they they were testing and from what we know that when they showed up to Pro tour, uh, to Pro tour one that there were three people on Kano from the Arsenal pass team and then there was Michael Hamilton playing chain. From what we understand, Michael Hamilton was not aware of of the Kano deck that Arsenal Pass brought forward to Pro Tour 1. So this is, I will add to this comment that this is pure speculation and um, this is hearsay based off of knowledge within the team or from uh, that we're hearing uh, at our locals. So with that being said, um, there may be some shenanigans that are happening on the back end of Arsenal Pass. Um, And this is the second issue that has arisen from just being test partners with them. So really the discussion kind of opens up to, are these, is Arsenal Pass going to be uh, blacklisted within our community? Are we starting to see a pattern or um, is this um, business as usual?
2: I'm I'm gonna have to just say like, it's probably just like a what teams within teams thing Not in like a malicious way, but like what i already discussed, you know, people have time constraints, some people get busy with life and can't make every practice or meet up with every member of the group. So, and then some members are closer with other members. So maybe it was just a maybe it was just a miscommunication. They weren't all on the same page. Yeah,
0: I think um, malicious intent. Uh, now whether that that was actually the the purpose of anything, um, really, we there are a lot of different points to this. Um, so um, a lot of moving pieces. It, it's a very complicated situation. All we do know now is that Michael Hamilton has left the Arsenal Pass team and has now joined the Wolf Pack. So there is. There are people that are being burnt through Arsenal Pass that are now joining a, a different team. So really, the question is whether or not there is drama there or not. Uh, <laughs> so,
1: I, I think so. I think so. I think, okay, I think you guys are, are crossing your T's and donning your I's, and that's good. That's great. I'm glad you guys are doing that. Keep y'all guys safe. But, I, you know, like you said, there's a pattern, right? So I think, you know... You hear it once, you could be like, okay, whatever, drama, whatever. You hear it twice, yeah, it's still not, you don't know. You're hearing it three times, like, so there's something there. There's, there's definitely something there. And um, the same person is mentioned uh, all three times. And I'm not saying this person is a bad person, you know. I mean, I'm just going to say it's Brian Patrick. I mean, like, that's, that's the one I'm referencing right now. But I'm not saying he's a bad person, you know, or anything like that. Uh, But what I am saying is that he has some history with the team. Um, I do think it's not necessarily Arsenal Past's team. I think it's Brandon Patrick's team. And I think if you're not in that circle, you're not in that team, even if you are in the team Arsenal Pass. And I think that is reason why michael hamilton got out i think that's why the other two um end up getting kicked out is i think if you aren't with brandon you are not gonna be really a part of that team of arsenal pass that is what i take out of all of this
0: yeah i think you i think you really talk on a really good point there is that um Now, I do want to say that Brendan may not be acting maliciously in in this case, but it does seem that um, from the discussions that we've heard, um, fingers are pointing towards uh, him specifically, um, even though they're not naming him specifically here. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm the only brave enough guy to do that. There does seem to be a bit of a mobile circle of who is in or out of this Arsenal Pass testing team. Um, so I think one of the, one of the really good points that Zach Bunn brought up while on the, the Manor podcast discussing this uh, recently was that when you when you do join a team you have to manage expectations right You need to have that discussion of hey what happens when I stop showing up to practice? What happens if I constantly have a negative attitude? how, how do we discipline in these areas where people fall out of line from what we have in a testing team how professional or casual do we want our testing events to be right from well that's fair enough
2: even on our own team we've had issues with that and managing that seemed to be pretty it was kind of just always like an awkward conversation to have and what only one of our members was willing to have that conversation most of the time
1: so i think that's a perfect um thing to say because i do think that i think you're right i think there is expectations to be had when joining a team um Especially as big as Arsenal pass for sure, but I also think that the whole reason why Colevo Control hasn't like separated or anything or kicked anyone else out is because uh, it's not just like one person that's deciding everything. And I'm not saying Brandon Patrick is the one person that's deciding everything, but I I think he has a huge influence on the team itself. And so, I think when we're talking about expectations, I think it is expectations set more by Brandon. Uh, that might be great upon the team, for sure. But um, for whatever reason, it just didn't happen with um, Michael Hamilton. And so, you know, and I think we'd all say Michael Hamilton's a great player. Um, so I'm sure he, you know, held up expectations in the sense of, you know, practicing and whatnot or being a good player. So it feels like, There would have to be something else involved. And that's where the drama lies. Yeah, I
0: think for me personally, I I like to boil this down into two two topics, right? Um, So really um, it it really comes down to mismanagement. I, I think that the way that this has been handled there bit definitely uh, time and time again, we're hearing from people that um, expectations were not managed now, whether or not this was uh, personal expectations or group expectations that were discussed prior or not discussed at all. Um, I, I think that uh, that's kind of interesting, but, but really we're, we're saying, Hey, um, the team, the team is not being managed properly here. There is, uh, there are some issues from the people that are being tested in this group. And then, We're also seeing that, um, there, there may not be, um, 100% of the information being told at these events. Right. So, um, is there, is there an honesty issue within, within the organization here now? Only time will tell, but I think, Mm -hmm. I think people are already kind of being rubbed the wrong way here. So, um, Uh, personally speak, I would never be invited to, um, be one of their test groups. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, if I were, I probably would refrain from joining as me personally, I, I look for a more casual team.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad you said that because I want to ask this question too. Um, so I mentioned the Dragon Shield team. Um, I believe that's the one that Matt Rogers is in, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So we're not hearing any drama on that team. Um, Good players on that team as well. Um, But if you were asked to be on that team, well, no, because you wanted to be a little bit more casual, right? But, I mean, would you still deny that, or would you go with it?
0: I think... um now whether matt rogers remembers me or not we i have met him before (laughs) and uh he was uh, an extremely uh, nice person he was fun to get along with
1: dude he's a class act man like i wanted to hate the guy but you can't trying
0: to find some dirt under the hood but it's just (laughs) clean clean Uh, i think uh i think i've been extremely impressed with his personality type and um realistically if if he was willing to add me to the team, I would probably join um within a heartbeat. So
1: i I think so too. I I mean I I would is that the same for you, Blake?
2: Oh man, I don't have any near the enough accolades to even think about that.
1: Well, yeah, but if if, but if like, you were invited like you, would...
2: you, you wanna hang out and get like on a on a play test <laughs> schedule with me? I'd be like, <laughs> Oh, hell yeah
1: right i mean it would increase your ability as a player so much but my my, what i'm kind of going with this is that i think you could still be very competitive but also still be um more inviting um as a team and i think that is exactly what you're saying and what we were going with is that i think that does come down to the characters of the team and um, when you have characters that are maybe just a bit aggressive, um, one way or the other, you know, that might be deterrent and that might affect the team itself. But, um, you know, as of now we haven't heard any drama, there might be a ton of drama with this other team, but, um, you know, we've met some of like, we've met Matt Rogers. And just from that meeting alone, we could tell that, Oh yeah, this would be a team that even I, even though we're not like amazing, we would be able to, you know, get along and work with the team. We want to be a part of that team.
2: Are, are there any uh, drama issues in Team Sneep? Any dirt? Um, Who, who's the the bad boy of, of Sneep that <laughs> you all Probably
1: me, man. I think if there's ever any issue, I'm just I'm the only one that comes out and says something. But I mean, we it's actually really cool. It's a really good team. We've uh, we've. Been, been able to Darren- handle every issue.
2: Yeah, but I need you for a minute. It-
0: Where were you? Missing practice? What's going on? <laughs> You've heard it here for- first, everyone. <laughs> At the winning In podcast, Eric Darrinheim, certified bad boy, naughty,
1: good, naughty. I'm I'm the reason why people leave and join the other teams. That's that's me. I'm the guy. Is that what
2: happened to the the secret Bobble Boy team in the? Uh, that team's
1: gonna last forever man
2: you, like, you just grab paul pull him aside. study like you gotta, you gotta get together man what are you doing with your life
1: dude Intimidate oh, harder that that's the bubble boy story is such a grandiose of a story like there was ups and downs and we all pulled through at the end we were all very very jovial at the end it was great uh, so even if Matt Rogers is like hey I want to be on this bubble bullet team I was like sorry man it's a three person event it's me Brody and Paul
2: what, one day Can't. you got to the whole story on your podcast
1: I think I will one day yeah it's a good one it's a good one Um you know another uh, just one more like point on this whole like the team thing um let me get you guys answer on this question cuz I always thought like you know super teams were kind of like a um a cutoff point where it's like okay you're like you're good if you're on this super team and you're not good if you're not and so but it's so hard to get on the super team because they only increase each other's play they dominate the metas as far as like the excuse me like pro tours and nationals and now even worlds but um you know, what I've noticed in this last pro tour, you know, the guy wasn't on a super team, super, the super team didn't get first, none of the players on there. So my question now is, uh, do you think in order to be a competitive player that you have to be on one of these teams?
2: I don't think so, but, uh, you probably have to have a good play test group. Still, you still got to be practicing all the time. Yeah, what
0: you're putting into the game and what you're taking out is probably the most important thing so realistically you can go to local armories and still perform without a test team we're seeing brody spurlock do that right now and he's just a 16 year old kid who's who practices on his own and he performs at these big events Um, so you don't necessarily need a team um, but what you do need is that every minute that you're putting into the game you're getting something out of it so that's that is the most important yeah. Aspect. Yeah,
2: the, the metrics the spreadsheet tracking like who went first who won <laughs> i don't know game. if you need that
1: but that doesn't hurt right
2: i don't know it's, yeah. it's interesting to hear like the hours zach bun puts into the game compared to maybe other people where he said like they'll start like what eight nine in the morning and go to eight nine at night
1: when i was grinding for the pro tour that's that's basically the time that I put into it. I mean, because I, I basically had to learn Bolton before, like, I never but even I think Bolton. that was an
0: interesting reaction that you just had there, Eric, to where uh, Blake was mentioning uh, marking down who the heroes are, who is going first, and you, you, you did let out a small laugh. Now, whether or not that was... Uh... <laughs> You know, malicious or anything, I think uh, that's that's a different point. But I, I do think that that is the general consensus, right? Is like, do we even need to record that data, right? But there are some people that I do play with who they are very good players and they mark down what hero is playing against them, what hero they're playing as, who went first and who won, right? And then they put down notes after the game and those players oh yeah if Everyone those has players their processes. are performing then those processes definitely help them so i think that there are some people that are more data based there are some people that are more theory based and there it just depends on what helps you right so um, yeah there's no wrong way to go about it however you just need to make sure that you're getting out every every s- s- drop of juice out of that lemon right
1: yeah definitely so this this that's perfect because it goes into exactly what i'm trying to say here is that you don't need to be on team arsenal pass you don't even need to be on dragon team dragon shield um because it's not the super team that's important it's more of just exactly what you're saying getting out like what you put in and you don't necessarily have to have the best of the best players to do that uh i'm pretty sure brody isn't playing with the best of the best players On a daily basis but he we would all agree that he's very good and we are going to see his name more i'm sure in the future um and so my whole point here is that if it's a matter of not having like you don't necessarily need skill you just need reps you just need time you just need data whatever your process is then i think being a part of a team is not as important on who's in the team as far as their skill level, but who is in the team as far as who they are as a like a person. And I think that is why Michael Hamilton has jumped ship and went to another team because he is probably gonna get the same amount from this other team, but with a better uh, like atmosphere.
2: Yeah, you gotta be comfortable with the people you're practicing with. I think the atmosphere is definitely important.
1: I think Co-Foil control has the best atmosphere. I'll say that right here right now. This is a Team Sneep <laughs> podcast too.
2: I want to be an honorary member of Team Sneep. I just want That's to true. wear one of those uh, jerseys you got. I like the We're uh
1: we're coming out with a new uh, a new line. It'll be for Worlds. Um actually I think it'll be for Nationals. It's going to be western themed. <laughs>
2: Tell, tell Gabe the to put in an order for one of those shirts for me.
1: All right, we'll do. They we do have nice jerseys. I will say, I do like our jerseys.
0: I, I like Gabe's style. I want one of them. Yeah, I think Gabe is a really good. Uh, he's an expert in marketing. I feel he, he's doing a very good job in um, how he's promoting Team Sneep and I've been very impressed with what he's done. Yeah,
1: it's his passion, and that's why that's what made me join was his passion. So, uh, but yeah.
0: All right, yeah, so
1: there it is. You know, two good teams, Team Sneep, Team Cold Foil Control. Um, you know, we got some good players on both teams, um, and we all have a great time. I think one of my f- things that I realized most about Team Fo- Cofoil Foil Control is whenever we went off... To, well you guys weren't even on this trip it was everyone else on this team but went off to Louisiana to do the uh, pro quest and um, the bonding that happened there I was like oh shit this is what it means to be on a team and I think that's huge so uh, to anyone listening I would encourage you to, if you're going to go get on a team uh, definitely put that as a high value because I didn't value that so much before but once I experienced it then I realized oh this is super important um, but yeah Anything else you guys want to say before we close this out
0: no, I think uh I think the points that you said were were excellent, so cool. good good talk
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right well yeah, let me
1: I'll close this out for a bit all right well, uh thanks again for listening to us um uh, next week i we are going to talk with Gabe and Adam um talk about uh Bauhar in Portland, and then talk about the pro tour coming up um real quick actually i got a question for you blake uh jonathan said it was going to be hayden dell's list i said it was going to be a briar list if you had to say right here right now which hero gets first place in pro tour what would you say
2: which hero gets first place in pro tour it's going to be a Rune blade i, I to be know
1: Rune okay yeah, yeah, all right, so we're all we're all in agreement that so it'll be a rune blade. Do you think it's viscerai or briar?
2: It's gonna be viscerai.
1: Not young chain? Okay.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> two visceris, one briar.
1: Um alright, yeah, that'll be fun to see. Uh but yeah, we'll talk about that and more on the next podcast. So until
2: then have a good one and uh keep some fab going.